Hotel history is created for adult audiences. Content may not be suitable for all listeners. Discretion is advised. You're listening to Hotel History. We take you with us through the sordid history and scandals of some of the world's most famous and infamous hotels. I'm Dieta. And I'm Yael. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Savoy Hotel Part 3. We're going to go deeper into its history, and we just came out of talking about the World War II. So... Here we are. The war <laughs> has ended. <laughs> Finally. So, of course, the first thing, probably not the first thing, but a very important thing for the Savoy to do was get its banqueting department back in shape for some parties. <laughs> yeah. After uh, the war, I feel like everyone was kind of like, let's party and just yeah. forget what happened. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like rationing was still going, but they were making the best of it, doing whatever they could. So they were having victory dinners, all of those debutantes that needed to come out that hadn't been able to do it during the war, charity galas. <laughs> all those debutantes. <laughs> all those debutantes. And even the Russian embassy, um, they weren't ready yet to come right. out? Yeah. The Russian embassy hadn't, I guess, been... I don't know if it needed to be built or refurbished or what, but it it wasn't ready to hold events. But they did end up having a reception at the Savoy and they, of course, served caviar and vodka. Because what else do you You need? (laughs) You got it. So the minimum cost of a ball at the Savoy was a thousand pounds back then. So that's like 34,000 today. 34,000 pounds, which is what in dollars? $40,000? Probably more. Yeah. Like That's a lot 40 dollars $50,000. And that was the minimum you could spend. Oh, my you God. You could definitely spend more than that. I can't even imagine what that ball must have been like. Yeah. Um, I think this is cool. This is a cool little tidbit of history is the first time princess elizabeth was spotted with her future husband philip was at this was at a savoy wedding reception in 1946 the wedding was her cousin uh captain cousins wait are you saying he married oh okay i thought two cousins (laughs) no (laughs) whoa i'm like all right i know they like marrying in the family but uh captain andrew elephantstone I, I love that? this name, Elfinstone. Elfinstone. That sounds so like Tolkien. Like that should be straight out of yeah. Lord of the Rings. Elfinstone. Something that like you would go on a quest to recover the Elfinstone that can save the land. Yeah. <laughs> That's a cute little. Yeah. This was yeah. the first time that the entire royal family had gathered in public since before, I believe, since before World War II. So it must have been a really happy time, like yeah. joyous occasion. And actually, this event brought the spotlight to Elizabeth and Philip. They were already engaged, but the public didn't know that they oh. were even an item. So this was the first time that everybody was like, wait a minute, does she have a fella? So when Elizabeth and Philip married, it was in 1947. Did they marry at the Savoy? No, but they did have, I think, 
think uh, just all of the dignitaries that were coming in for the wedding were staying at the Savoy. Oh, okay. So kings and queens. Mm-hmm. So three kings, four queens, and a group of other royals staying there. Enter a strike. God, I, I love a good strike. Oh, my God. At the wedding? <laughs> at the time that this <gasps> is all going on, that they're trying to get ready for everything. Uh, 500 of the catering staff joined in for the book said a two week long strike but from some of the articles I was reading from the time I think it went on longer than that but it was over the firing of um, a waiter Frank Piazza supposedly it was a dispute over whose job it was to carry dirty plates away from the grill classic (laughs) dispute that causes a 500 person strike but behind the scenes the british government learned that the communist party trade unionists were involved in the strike so now they have concerns that piazza is actually an italian Ah. communist and was maybe interned during the war and now he's being planted by the british communist party to sabotage the wedding so this is all speculation as far as i could tell i couldn't find anything that said they had any sort of evidence but the health minister feared the consequences of what would happen if the communist party got control of london's best hotels he believed managers would be open to blackmail and they could become centers for espionage against their influential guests Mm. but they did settle the strike in december after a government inquiry And the Savoy agreed to working out any complaints and procedures with the National Union of General and Municipal Workers. And Mr. Piazza being offered a new job at a West End restaurant. Okay, so I have some thoughts about this. He got fired for misplacing dirty dishes or maybe refusing to take them. Like it just said the dispute was over whose job it was to take dishes away so maybe someone was like, take these dirty dishes. And he was like, uh, not my job, chief. I have my own responsibilities. Uh, and then, I mean, it could it could have been the communists. They were doing shit like that. It could have been. It could have been. But since there was a government inquiry and Piazza gets a job at another restaurant in London, that makes me think that they were like, nah. Maybe it wasn't enough because, or maybe they backed down. I'm really going conspiracy theory on this one. <laughs> but yeah, that sounds perfect timing. <laughs> yeah, I found a an article from the Communist Party's newspaper at the time that was really interesting to read. And they were talking about how all of the royals staying at the Savoy at this time, including Princess Elizabeth. I don't know that she was staying there, but she would visit the Savoy. They all crossed the picket line. And so the, yeah, the article was like, wow, wow. We see that you guys stand with the employers and not with the working people. Well, I'm not surprised, but also if they're giving information that they might be communists, they think they're doing the right thing. Yeah. Um, And it makes sense that the communist newspaper is going to be all like whatever about it. Um, That's us. It's sus on everyone's part. Yeah. But then they resolved it before the wedding, right? Uh, I don't know. I don't think it was resolved before the wedding, but the wedding, it said the wedding went off without a hitch. So 
Uh, so however, they've got like yeah, scabbers. It was fine. <laughs> yeah, they, and they were using a ton of scabs to do it to do the work. The article also mentioned that. Wow! Oh my God, Queen Elizabeth would be canceled today if she was still Ooh, alive. Can't be crossing picket lines. She passed, right? Yeah. Okay. I feel like I. It's hard. I don't think I processed that because yeah. she was around for so She's long. So long. She's just a figure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and actually, there is a file from like a police file on the alleged brutality of the police against the strikers that is still sealed. It won't be opened until next year. What? Yeah. So I guess the, the sounds like the police were not super <laughs> understanding of the strikers either. What a surprise. Yeah. That's so weird that it was a sealed. I mean, this is over years this, ago. Yeah. This is like, this is like, you can't even take revenge anymore. <laughs> You know, it's a, it's a long time to seal something like yeah. that. So in September of the next year, 1948, Rupert, the owner of the Savoy, uh, dies from a stroke at the age of 71. So if you remember from the last episode, he had been grooming his son, Michael, to take over, but Michael died in a car accident when he was only 21. So oh Bridget had been, had kind of stepped up and was trying to learn the business. So now Rupert dies and spotlights on Bridget. And sadly, she has no, basically no family left at this point except her mom. And of course, relationship there almost non-existent because of her mom forcing her to marry her first cousin. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah. I But she's she's in charge now, right? Yeah. Yeah, she actually steps up to be president, but she doesn't take over the chairmanship because she didn't really feel like she had the knowledge necessary to do that and really she had never been instructed in that position. Uh so right. Hugh Wantner takes that position. And so the two of them work very closely together for the next four decades. Mm. Well, you know what? That's There's something really nice about their family. They're very humble. Yeah. Like, they're like, listen, I can't do it, but I'm going to let someone who knows what to do come in, and I feel like that is not seen today. Yeah. Um, and that might contribute to the Savoy success for so long. Because they were actually hiring people who knew what <laughs> who we were competent. doing, who were competent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the 1950s comes around, and Elizabeth's coronation ball in 1953 is held at the Savoy. And the theme of it is the new Elizabethan era. So the whole Savoy gets a Tudor makeover. I really want to see pictures of this. I know. Um, Bridget uh, invites Lawrence, Olivier, and Vivian Lee, among others, to help plan the coronation? No, the, the celebration. Oh, the celebration. Having. Yeah, the, the ball. The ball, okay. Um, yeah, and if you guys remember, uh, Olivier and Lee first met each other at the Savoy Grill seven years before they started an ah. affair. And then na at this point, they're about 15 years into their marriage to each other, which was also highly tempestuous. And Olivier managed the cabaret performance and Lee the decorations. Yep. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> All right. Well, who knew? Multi-talented. <laughs> 
And the guests that came were given Tudor-style hats, ruffs, jester sticks, and whistles at dinner. Sounds like a really fun bat mitzvah. (laughs) 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 That was a great party. Uh, And other... Who? Bing Crosby. Oh, so Bing Crosby... Maurice, am I, I'm going to butcher the last name. Chevalier. Chevalier, both performed. Damn, this sounds like a fun time. Yeah. Everyone was, 5,000 bottles of champagne, champagne alone were drunk. Yeah. 5,000, 5, how many people were there? <laughs> Definitely not 5,000 people. Yeah, I don't think so. But in addition, there was wine and port and sherry and God knows how much else that got drunk oh my god they were hammered (laughs) that event that this sounds this ball sounds almost as fun as the black and white ball yeah the plaza and i'm not sure what time it started but the first cabaret performance didn't go on until midnight and then there was a second performance at 2 a.m so like they were partying all night long definitely partying all night long Okay, wait, 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 wait. Can we back up here? Queen Elizabeth partying all night long. Or did she like... Or did she just like take her leave yeah. and let everybody else party? Like, does anyone has have any testimony about what Queen Elizabeth... Was she like taking belly shots <laughs> off the cabaret performers? Like, what was she doing? Because I'm sure someone was doing that. You're not, you're not partying till the morning, just yeah. sitting around, you know... Politely clapping. Yeah, like what... It, I had I have a feeling she probably left early. Yeah, I bet so. Yeah. But if anyone has any incriminating photos of Queen, Queen Elizabeth, send it over. That'd be fun to look at. Agatha Christie likes to eat at the restaurant and she threw a lot of parties there for opening nights of her plays in the west end oh this is what you were talking about yeah. okay you 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 uh, explain the rest so okay <laughs> so in 1958 it was opening night of the mousetrap which is her most famous play and has been continuously running since then so i think it's one of the longest running plays ever And she celebrates this opening night at the Savoy with a thousand guests and a cake that weighed half a ton. It was as long as the dining table and it was covered in sugar mice and roses and ferns. And then there was a huge mouse trap built on top of it out of icing. And then there were like these tapered candles that were lit on top of it. We're definitely going to post a photo of this on Instagram. So you've got to check it out. I wonder if it tasted good. I hope so. After all of that. I'm sure it did. A mousetrap made of icing. That sounds delicious. It really does. Especially if it was like the really good icing. I mean, it's the Savoy. It's the Savoy. It's going to be the really good icing. Yes. They had rations. Um, <laughs> By this point, but also, oh, what is this? We're in the 50s. Yeah. yeah. So they, they're fully back on sugar and butter. Oh, okay. Okay. But here's my thing. Like, the more I hear about what the demands or at least the requests of these people in these hotels, I'm just like, what in... The, this is making Hollywood today sound stupid. <laughs> like, sound like, oh, that's cute. Like, a mousetrap? A mousetrap? A cake, 
imagine yeah. asking a restaurant to do that for you or a bakery. Yeah, the the performance, the pomp, the circumstance, it was so much bigger. People get mad at that Kardashians, but they're really just taking notes from the past. Yeah. Like they have some crazy parties, but I don't I don't even think they're as crazy as some of the things we've mm-hmm. read. No, not at all because in 1963, the premiere at the premiere of Cleopatra they had a pyramid cake so spectacular it was written about in the Encyclopedia Britannica. Oh my god. If the cake that the hotel makes you ends up in an encyclopedia, that is a party. That is a cake. I did mean someone pop out of the cake. God, did Elizabeth, Elizabeth Taylor. <laughs> no, she didn't. <laughs> to my uh, knowledge. If she, she was trying to get married to someone, she would. <laughs> I feel like but if she was already married to one of her many husbands, yeah. she probably just sat back and ate the cake. Probably so. Um. <laughs> I tried. I have tried and tried to find a photo of this cake. I haven't found one really? yet. I can't believe that there, that a photo of this does not exist somewhere. They have the mousetrap cake. Yeah, they have the mousetrap photo. It was 1963. It wasn't like 1919 where yeah. photos like were I'm so rare. I'm sure the Savoy probably has a photo of it, and maybe they just haven't released it. Because they have huge archive of photos from oh, their yeah? history. Yeah. So why wouldn't they release it? I don't know. Maybe they're saving it for a special occasion. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe they're, they want some people to pay for it. Yeah, that could be. Listen, if the Savoy or anyone who's worked at the Savoy works at the Savoy has a connection to the Savoy and can get us a picture. I want to see this cake. We really appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Interesting. Another interesting celebrity fact. Charlie Chaplin lived there for a few months while arranging to move to Switzerland. He couldn't return to the U.S. because he would have been questioned by the Un-American Activities Committee. I remember reading about this. He was accused of being a communist, yeah. right? And he was Jewish, right? Yeah. As so as so many American celebrities were, you have to basically prove you're not a communist. There was no innocent until proven guilty. It was yeah. like, you're probably a communist because you're, you're an actor. So prove to us you're not. If you had any sympathy towards the communists, yeah. then you were a communist. Yeah. You had to be really careful. It, it was a dark time for Americans and civil liberties, I will say. Yeah. Uh, freedom of speech wasn't really free. It came with a high cost. <laughs> um, but today you can obviously say whatever you want. But I don't I don't know if Charlie Chaplin was a communist or he I think he did have some sympathies, but like this man was a legend. Like how do you chase Charlie Chaplin out of the country? Oh my god, I know. How dare you? Also, I was looking at pictures of him. You know how you, who you think he looks like, you know, with the fake mm-hmm. mustache, the kind of making fun of the dictator, a.k.a. Hitler look, um, which he does on purpose. Without all that, he's a good looking guy. Oh, was Have he? You I don't ever, think I've ever seen no just one, him. Okay. Google it. He was not, that's why he was a play play. He was not the greatest person. I mean, there's like, a, all these celebrities are very complicated, but um in terms of like, I think he dated Mary. He has like a long, yeah, yeah. He's a totally normal, normal-looking yeah. human he, being. I think he's smart for having that disguise. Like he can go around because if he didn't have the eyeliner and the mustache, I would have never no recognized one, yeah. him. Um, that's crazy. Poor Charlie Chaplin. But 
Did he do anything special in the hotel? Or he just like sat around? So. Yeah, I think his family was with him there, so I think they were oh. just okay. Just waiting. So some other famous people who stayed in the hotel, which isn't surprising because it sounds like all the famous people would travel the world and just party at hotels. Yeah. Uh the Rolling Stones, the the Beatles, Bob Dylan, Catherine Hepburn, Audrey Hepburn. Ronald Reagan, when he was still an actor, Marlon Brando, Cary Grant, Jane Fonda, Judy Garland, Sophia Loren, Mae West, the legend, um, and Bob Dylan filmed the music video for Subterranean Homesick Blues in the alleyway by the kitchens. I had no idea. I didn't even know that was a song. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Marilyn Monroe also famously held a press conference there during her promotion of The Prince and the Showgirl with Laurence Olivier. And she was photographed drinking tea and wearing a dress with a see-through midriff, which was considered very daring at the time. Really? Even in London? Yeah, I guess so. I think, so I've looked at some of the photos. I don't think it was so much the bare midriff that was the scandal in that she was sitting down most of the time. And so the dress rode up and you could definitely see some under boob. And I bet that's what made it a little scandalous. She tended not to wear bras, you know. Well, you didn't need to back then. Everything was so well constructed. That's true. Or like, yeah. I mean, she definitely had um, outfits that were, you know. They, yeah, they she, were walked, she, she definitely walked the line. Yeah, she walked the line. But that was her whole thing. And unfortunately, people are idiots. Yeah, and they're I mean, like, the name of the movie is The Prince and the Showgirl. Obviously, yeah. she's going to. It's crazy because she's considered modest today. Yeah. Like she, you know, she would wear things, but she wear them so well. And she yeah. did that. I don't they, know. Yeah, they were just I don't really tight. Sca- like scandalous. she really didn't show that much skin. They she were just w- always really tight. She would. I mean, she definitely. F- I feel like she had her boobs hanging out. Like it was. If okay, if you ever see her in some like it hot when she's performing, and if no one saw the movie, you should go see it. I would feel uncomfortable wearing <laughs> that dress, but that's not the point. The point is, is that like she was. She gave in to this idea that she was this dumb, pretty girl, and people just. Yeah. Treated her like that because of what she wore, which is crazy. But I also heard that when she was filming The Prince and the Showgirl, there's a movie about it called My Week with Marilyn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen um, it. It was a hot mess. She, it was not a good time in her life. No. It wasn't considered a good movie. I think she was going through a divorce with Arthur Miller. Uh, it was getting close. Yeah. She hadn't yet, at the time, they hadn't gotten there yet, but. Uh, she also had an affair, possibly with Laurence Olivier, and she wasn't feeling a ton of love from Arthur Miller. She didn't really feel a ton of love from him their entire relationship, yeah. in my opinion. Oh, my God. He really... What a dick. Yeah. I can't... I feel... I feel The more I learn about Marilyn Monroe, I feel so bad for her. She was never in a healthy relationship with men, no. and that's probably why she was the way she was. But yeah, Arthur Miller, she found a letter. The whole thing, she found a letter of what he wrote about her. Oh, yeah. He basically thought she was dumb. Yeah. And stupid and didn't have any respect for her. It didn't matter that she was actually really well read and she Mm -hmm. wasn't stupid. And she really loved him for his intellect. And I'm like, you have Marilyn Monroe and you're 
treating her like this go fuck yourself yeah well he was so insecure like he used her as his muse to try to inspire more works because everybody was saying he was going to be a has-been because he couldn't write anything that was worth a damn after the crucible and then anything he wrote people didn't really like it and then it's almost like he he Loved her for being amused, but then hated her whenever whatever he wrote didn't turn out the way he wanted it to. And he probably hated that people, that she had so many admirers and was yeah, successful. Yeah, she was successful. Yeah. His star was dimming and yeah. her star was still bright. Typical insecure male behavior yeah. uh, or just human behavior. But yeah, I I've personally have known yeah. some artists like this. <laughs> um, it's really sad. But yeah, she didn't get treated very well. Um, some other people, um, oh, a lot of authors held press conferences there. Some of the biggest names were Muhammad Ali, who promoted his autobiography there, and Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who discussed his book on the civil rights movement. Nice. Yeah, I, I didn't know that about Martin Luther King Jr. That's, he went around to London. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't either. You see, just hotels always the spaces yeah. for these conversations. Very important. Um, the first BAFTA award cer- ceremony was held there, which is England's it's like Oscars. The British Oscars, yeah. yeah. And the hotel continued to be a partner today. So they'll have parties. The, the, the actual event isn't held there, is no, it? No, it's not, I think it's held at a theater now, but they... Uh, provide suites for all of the celebrities to come and get ready with their hairstylists and Ah, makeup artists and all that. Yeah, we watched a documentary TV show about the Savoy and one of the episodes they had. Uh, We'll talk about that a little bit later. (laughs) Artists that performed at the hotel, um, at the hotel cabaret. So they have a special cabaret performance or... Yeah, I think in their in their maybe in their ballroom that that's just what they called their shows that they uh, had for entertainment was a cabaret. Oh, okay. So some of those artists were Petulia Clark, Diane Warwick, Celia Black. Um, and there's an interesting story with Diane Warwick. So it turns out management of the hotel wouldn't let the Beatles in as Warwick's invited guests. Because of the dress code, they weren't wearing whatever proper dress, which they used to have a very strict dress code. Um, And when she heard about this, she refused to go on until they were given seats in the audience in the front row. So that was that guy who didn't let them in probably got in trouble. I'm sure. What? They were so strict? But it, it was the Beatles. Did they know it was? The, they must have known it was the Beatles. Yeah, they knew it was the Beatles. And they still were giving them a hard time? A dress code is a dress code. I mean, <laughs> it's London. What do you want? I just, the to me, dress codes, because I would work at a place that had like some dress codes. It's like the they want people to come in generally that look good and like put together. But it's not the law. I, I think that the person who was in charge just, w- they weren't a fan of the Beatles. Imagine, imagine saying no to the Beatles. Imagine you were that guy and you but were they, like, no. They also turned away Bob Dylan and the Rolling Stones from the restaurant for not wearing ties. 
Yeah, but they weren't the Beatles. <laughs> they were. They're still huge. Maybe not as huge as the Beatles, but they're still huge. I wouldn't be surprised if they turned away Bob Dylan. I'm more surprised the Rolling Stones, but so do they have to go and get ties? Oh, I bet they didn't. I bet they just went and ate somewhere else. <gasps> or they spoke to a manager. Yeah. I be. mean, come on. You know what? I don't know what to say to them. I know. They they needed their friend Dion Warwick there to be. <laughs> yeah, to be well, I think I think they sh- that gave them the push because she's like you yeah they yeah. had some leverage to yeah exactly <laughs> to work so with. being famous does not mean you can get past past the um strict dress code of the savoy at the time but they're not as strict today no not nearly. i think they have some dress code but not not yeah. quite like that i think it's uh like oh, they actually specifically say what the dress code is in one of the episodes but i can't remember what they called it I think like smart casual or something it's, like that. It's if it's similar to the because I worked at Beauty and Essex in L.A. and they have a dress code, but it's like very simple, like no flip flops and shorts. Yeah, because too many men would come in with flip flops and shorts and they don't um, they don't enforce it with women just because women are prettier. Yeah. Like when we wear flip flops and shorts, it's cute. Yeah. When men do it, they're <laughs> like, sloppy. please yeah. get a manicure. Um <laughs> Or a pedicure, I should say. Uh, but, yeah, so I think that's probably kind of their rule, maybe something a little stricter. But they're very into fashion because they had fashion designers. Uh, they have they held shows from Christian Dior to Valentino. And I'm sure they had more. Pro- oh, I'm sure Probably Gucci did. also. Uh, I was looking for Gucci, but Gucci didn't introduce clothing into their line until the late 60s. So they may mm. not have done Gucci some uber rich people aristotle onassis the greek shipping tycoon was a frequent guest at the savoy he'd been staying there since he was 25 but he had a standoff with another greek shipping tycoon stavros narcos he wanted the territory of the savoy to be his because they were like Nemesis. Nemesis. They weren't allowed to stay at the same hotel at the same time. (laughs) The the Savoy ain't big enough for the both of us. Oh, my God. Type situation. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure who eventually, if they ever, like, figured out who. Okay. (laughs) From the next thing that I read is that Onassis would be seen having dinner with Winston Churchill at the Savoy. Who do you think got <laughs> the Savoy? Sure it was Onassis. If you're friends with Winston Churchill, you're getting the Savoy. Yeah. <laughs> There's no way. The whole, all of the weird nepotistic enemy, frenemy stuff going down between all of these families, the Churchills, the Onassis's, the Kennedys, all of that is extremely fascinating and disturbing so just if you guys are looking for some history to dive in deeper that's a definitely one to check out yeah they all hated each other they all hated each other and they all slept together and there were some questionable deaths involved (laughs) and some yeah it's very interesting it all happened at the savoy (laughs) okay
now we're going to get into kind of a, a dicey period for the Savoy. There's always a dicey period for some for the hotels. Yeah. And so this hotel at least like never went downhill and became super seedy. It yeah. like has maintained its its um, luxury and yeah quality throughout its history, which is not the case for so many nice hotels. But they because they were doing so well, it started. Uh, they started making record profits between all of their hotels, not just the Savoy, but also Claridge's and the restaurants that they owned started bringing in a lot of money. Uh, so this started to attract the attention of a lot of vultures. And from the 50s through the 80s, they kept having to fight off uh, hostile takeover bids. Mm. Including Conrad Hilton yeah. at one point trying to buy it. Yeah, his seemed to be, like, on the mild side. He didn't, like, try super hard. But he did. After his son stayed there and he stayed there, he was like, yeah, I could add this to my group. Mm-mm. Yeah, I feel like that was his MO. Yeah. He, he tried to buy a lot of things. He, at some point, owned and ran the Plaza Hotel, if you listen to our previous <laughs> episodes. Um, then there was Charles Clore and Harold Samuel. They purchased millions of pounds of shares in separate attempts to gain a controlling interest of the hotel. Did that work? No. (laughs) So first, uh, Clore tried first. And at the time, Churchill was prime minister. And we know Churchill loves the Savoy. So he instructed the president of the Board of Trade to stop Clore from being able to do this. Uh, The Bank of England governor urged insurance companies to stop lending to anyone connected with any takeover bid happening. Isn't that illegal? I'm sure it is. You're you're the prime minister, not like in charge of everything. It may not be overtly illegal, but it's probably a little unethical at least. It smacks of some fraud happening in there somewhere. But official government policy was non-interference. So mostly the Savoy had to just deal with it on its own. So after uh, Clore's bid was rejected by the Savoy board, he sold his shares to Harold Samuel so he could try. Aw, Working together. Friendship. Oh, okay. So that was it. Okay. Yeah. And it also was unsuccessful. Also unsuccessful. The thing about the board of the Savoy is that they don't care about the money. Like all these people keep trying to buy all these shares and have control and then offer money to take it over fully. And they're just not swayed by the money because that's not what it's about for them at the end of the day. A, the board was full of people rich in their own right so they were like what do we need your money for and b the whole point of the savoy was that they wanted it to be perfect they wanted it to be beautiful and nice and so they spent money on it they didn't care so much about just making profit and so that was a big reason i think a lot of they were able to hold a lot of these takeover attempts off um so the chairman of this of the board that we mentioned earlier, Hugh Wantner, he goes ahead and buys Samuel's shares after Samuel's bid is rejected. But that's millions of pounds worth of shares, and Wantner does not have that kind of money. So no one is exactly sure where he got the money to buy them. 
Uh, mm-hmm. But it's alleged that Barclays, the the bank that Savoy used, somehow came up with the money and ah, fixed it. fixed the situation. Yeah. Or Winston Churchill. Or Winston Churchill. <laughs> <laughs> so in the 70s, more takeovers. Uh, the most obsessive was Charles Forte, who owned Travelodge, like the chain of Travelodge. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that was owned by someone. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like you just think it's one of those yeah, things that exist. Really like, who owns it. these yeah. things? <laughs> I didn't know it was that old, also. Also, yeah, I didn't either. So, he tried to take over the Savoy for on and off for 15 years. Like, he would not give up. He thought he, he like proposed to his wife at the Savoy. He'd been dreaming of owning it most of his life, and he felt like he deserved it. So, he would not give up. But, how would he know how to even deal with the Savoy? He, he owns Travelodge. Well, that's what the Savoy said. (laughs) (laughs) They were like, these two things are not the same. Who do you think you are? So over this time period, the Savoy paid out over a million pounds just in legal fees, trying to fight everything off. Oh, my God. Uh, But Forte, like, brings this... Um, accusation against the Savoy saying that it's being mismanaged and that it's run down uh, because Bridget wasn't wringing every single cent of profit out of it that she could. He was like, see, you're mismanaging it because you could be making so much more money. And they were I'm so happy this guy didn't. Yeah. They were like, that's not what it's about. He keeps buying shares anytime he's able to. He ends up eventually buying 70% of the shares that are available to investors. But because years earlier, during some of the other takeover bids, they restructured ownership of the company. So even though he owned 70% of the shares, he only had 42% voting rights <gasps> because they split the shares into two different groups. Uh-huh. And if you had shares in one of the groups, one share gave you 40 times the voting rights of someone who owned a share in the other tier. Okay, how convenient. Yeah, so Bridget and Wantner and some charities that they ran and some other, their friends owned all of those shares. And then they let other people buy the shares with normal voting rights. I can't believe that this is a thing. You can just buy shares and own something? Yeah, you can, if if it's a company that, that, offers shares for investors then yeah you can just buy as many shares as you want and if you have enough control eventually you can vote people out and take it over but that doesn't end up happening it does not so he keeps trying he keeps getting angrier and angrier because the board just rejects and rejects so then he's like okay i'm just gonna wait it out until these people die basically (laughs) and he like has his tries to get his son in line to take over the company and and do it but he is pushed out of his own company due to a hostile takeover he sounds like a dick and he loses (laughs) all of his savoy shares in this hostile takeover nice and before he actually fought off a hostile takeover bid before he came after the Savoy. So he fights one off from his own company, then goes after the Savoy for 15 years, and then ends up getting his own company taken over. What is over. this obsession yeah. with the Savoy? Like, what? If you, if you like the Savoy, make your travel lodge, you know, change the name, first of all, because 
<laughs> no one's getting married no, at the travel your own beautiful hotel he could have yeah. built an amazing hotel for all of the millions of pounds he spent buying shares in the savoy but it but it wouldn't have had the reputation and everything it's what the savoy stands for i think that yeah they're trying to he, buy i you know what after when you do the research on the Oily family you're like they're doing it right because they're continuing like it's it's pretty good yeah i mean i'm sure not everything's perf- perfect but yeah the oily always spent more money to make the hotel perfect it, you have to love the hotels and i've said this before if you don't have if you're not obsessed with the hotel and the vibe and the whole mm-hmm. thing that it is you cannot if you own it you're just gonna ruin it yeah and this happens all the time so i'm glad the guy didn't because i don't think he really understood what it meant no he did yeah. not yeah. Also, during the 70s, how was the hotel handling things? Did it go a little down? Was there any trouble? Because the 70s was harsh on everyone. It was. I'm I'm sure they probably did go through some rough patches. But it seems to have not, at least, not changed how they did things. So they were very much about spending to keep the hotel going. So they probably took some financial hits, but the hotel itself didn't go downhill. Right, so that brings us to the 80s. And to, to start off the year, 1980, um, a murder happens Ooh. at the Savoy. Intrigue. Yes. <laughs> so um, according to uh, an article, I don't know who originally ran this, but it's from the UPI archives. A young woman was stabbed to death in an eighth-floor bedroom of the luxurious Savoy Hotel, and Scotland Yard was searching today for a shadowy figure in black seen running from the hotel shortly after the killing. Uh-oh. So, yeah, it's very, it's great uh, novel yeah. start. Guests at the celebrated five-star hotel overlooking the Thames heard frenzied screaming in room 853 late Wednesday night. Inside the room, hotel staff found the woman half-naked and bleeding. Hmm. The woman, believed to be in her early 30s, had been stabbed about 10 times. Oh, my God. She had not checked into the hotel, and police were investigating whether she may have been a prostitute who eluded security at the $200-a-night hotel. (gasps) Scotland Yard was looking for a man who checked into the room earlier in the evening. They were also anxious to question a man dressed in a black leather coat and black trousers seen hurrying away from the hotel minutes after the screams were heard. It was not established whether he was the man who had checked into the room. Forensic experts who spent the night examining the double room for clues took away a knife believed to have been the murder weapon. Guests in adjoining rooms were moved to other floors. True to its reputation for calm and discretion, the Savoy was saying little about the incident. Quote, naturally, it is something we would like to keep from the guests, said a spokeswoman. (laughs) It's just business as usual. The Savoy is a favorite haunt of rich Americans, but many of them were unaware of the night's events as they sat down to breakfast. Quote, I really didn't know anything about this, said one American guest. But then you wouldn't at the Savoy. They are very discreet. Wow. So I couldn't find any more information after that on if it was ever solved. I did find one little website that that gave um, a name of the woman and a name of the man, but it seemed very sus because it was saying that she had been stabbed 80 times and 
all this other stuff. They're so, so I, discreet. There's no evidence. Yeah, there's nothing. <laughs> <laughs> um, sounds like Jack the Ripper. Who, didn't he, wasn't he around during, or was that before? During 1980? No, 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 no. During oh, the, the Savoy. The, the, the Savoy, the Savoy. I, man, Jack the Ripper would be <laughs> old. He must have an assistant <laughs> helping him stab people. <laughs> I'm so confused. Uh, Jack the Ripper, 1892. So he, yeah. Yeah. Ooh. So he uh, could have been, he would have been around during the Savoy being opened. I guess they didn't hear any, uh, you know, he didn't go there. Um, but this sounds like uh, just a psycho's killing prostitutes, which is unfortunately common. Yeah. I feel like they're, the number one targets, especially in hotels. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so some more about the royal family during this time. The queen mother cut the ribbon to open the newly renovated Savoy kitchens, which directly benefited her because apparently she ate lunch there all the time. And just to clarify, the queen mother is not Beyonce or Khaleesi. <laughs> that is Queen Elizabeth's <laughs> mother. <laughs> also named Elizabeth. Are you really? Yeah. So not only do they marry their cousins, but they name themselves. <laughs> they name after themselves. They're really keeping it in the family. Okay. Yeah, they want to make it as confusing as possible to anyone having to study. Oh my god. Um, Princess Diana. I'm excited for this part because now Princess Diana gets involved. Uh, went to the Savoy for many events, including a ball in 1989. And for her 30th birthday in 1991, she went there without Prince Charles, making a very obvious statement that... Uh, that nobody seemed to pick up on. <laughs> yeah. She uh, was separated from him. Or she was like... Yeah, give uno a fuck. unofficially unofficially separated. Yeah. Um, and he offered to make a party for her, but she declined the offer and she just wanted to do a charity event at the Savoy. Yeah, she kind of felt, I well, people assume they kind of make the inference that she felt like he only offered her a celebration like out of a sense of duty, like propriety, that that's what he was supposed to do. That it wasn't because mm -hmm. he actually wanted to throw his wife a party. Yeah. So she was like, nah, I'll do my own thing. Yeah. And she's she's gone to the Savoy multiple times. I looked it up, which mm -hmm. makes sense for a lot of charity events. Um, she was pretty cool. In May of 1985, Bridget passes away. She had lung cancer, very severe, because she was known to smoke 80 cigarettes a day. How old was she? Why do you need to know? <laughs> I don't know how old she was. Hold on. Let me look. The reason I'm asking is not because I want you to do more research. Is because 80 cigarettes a day and if she was like 105, I'd say that's a pretty good outcome. <laughs> 77. Okay. That's, that's not that old, but it's not that young either. Yeah. So... Um, for someone smoking like a freight train. Yeah. <laughs> well, wouldn't you running a hotel? Oh my God. Yeah. Not a hotel, an opera company, uh, rest, multiple restaurants, multiple hotels. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, smoking is not how I relieve stress, but I definitely would have been doing something on. Oh yeah, no, the, for different times for sure. Yeah, Wantner, who had been running the hotel since Bridget's death, died in 1992. So after Bridget was this guy, mm-hmm. and then who takes over after? So it stays in the power of like the trustees i guess that bridget had left it with when she passed away and until 1998 when an american private equity firm the blackstone group purchases it Hmm. and then it starts to change hands quickly they sold it in 2004 to an irish group quinlan private who then sold it to uh, the same guy that we talked about in our Plaza episodes, Prince Alwaleed bin Talal, because he owns a bunch of hotels. So they sold it for about 250 million pounds. That's not a lot of money for s- such a huge hotel. No, that would have been like, what, $400 million? Um, well, 2004. Uh, yeah. yeah, maybe less. Maybe. I don't know. But either way, like, how much... Did they he buy the plaza for? It was like a lot I more. I can't remember. Well, I yeah. know because I always get confused between the outrageous price that Donald Trump paid for it and how much he paid for it. And now it's worth like billions, I think. Six hundred million. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so it's not it's still less than the plaza, but Yeah, less than the plaza. Which that kind of surprises me, but uh and now it's run by Fairmont Hotels and Resorts of Canada, which is his affiliate. Yeah, he's a, and also they are. I think they run also the Plaza. Oh. No? You know why it's so cheap? Because he didn't buy the Savoy Group. He only bought the Savoy and Simpsons on the Strand, the restaurant ah, next okay. door. So Claridge's and the. Berkeley and everything else that was owned by the Savoy group stayed in um, Quinlan's group. So that was 2004. And in 2007, Alwaleed decides to close the hotel for renovations, like huge renovations. It was supposed to take 18 months, 220 million pounds was the eventual price tag. And it took Way longer than it was supposed three years. to. <laughs> three years. Twice as long as it was supposed to. There's a documentary on YouTube about the hotel's reopening. So it closed in 2007, opened in 2010. Damn. Yeah. I guess there must have been a lot of things. If it hasn't gone um, under a lot of renovations throughout the year, it probably came to a head and they're like, we need to do a lot of work. Yeah. Like they needed... Uh, I think they made it more energy efficient. I think they added uh, at least one bar and one restaurant to what already existed. Redid all the rooms, the rest, everything. Yeah. And in 2020, a reality show following hotel employees of the Savoy Hotel uh, aired. But unfortunately, (laughs) it aired... In the beginning of 2020. And it's a really... If you're interested, we recommend it. It's quite funny. But COVID happened and they 
did not Yeah, the hotel had to shut down at the end of March. So there's five episodes from that first season that we watched uh we watched it on Amazon Prime and we like through Acorns TV. So if you want to watch all five episodes, you've got to do the Acorns TV. But <laughs> so there's there's lots of lovable characters on there. The the head butler Sean is yeah. hilarious. Hi Sean. There's <laughs> <laughs> the um the floral department Oh is yeah, Mary Kate. Really nice I know the names. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Michael, the, the butler in training, who's like trying as hard as he can yeah. to be better and get everything right. So it's, but it's so so hard to watch everybody like living their lives and looking forward to the future, not knowing that the pandemic oh my is God. looming yeah. over them like a freaking monster. And and the manager of one restaurant, she's like, 2020 is gonna be my year, and um, me and Dad are like, no, oh, it ain't. No, it's it's gonna be no one's year. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I know it really is awful that everybody had to be furloughed during that time. But I feel like everybody in the Savoy Grill probably was breathing a sigh of relief a little bit because Gordon Ramsay owns the Savoy Grill Mm. and he would come in and just tear everyone a new one for every single thing that wasn't up to what he believed was his standard, the Savoy standard. And I feel like that could have been a must have been a very stressful place to work. Oh, my God. Unless he was doing it for views but I mean I've worked in restaurants and to have that kind of energy around is not helpful yeah like coming in and just yelling and screaming and then like if you're not going to do this perfectly you're fired I'm just like that's that's extreme and I'm sure it is somewhat amped up because it's that's his whole shtick so I'm sure part of it is just because that's what people expect Gordon Ramsay to do yeah but um yeah, it was. Oh, my God. And then every time you watch the kitchen, they're always putting the camera on the weirdest, <laughs> like people who are just so over everything. And I'm like, what are you doing? And then there was this couple, this really cute couple. They get engaged at the hotel. They go to the room and it's, you know, rose petals and candles. And all we want to see is that ring. Because that room is like $10,000 a night. And we know that ring's going to be nice. Cameraman, not interested. What he is interested in (laughs) is the one clawed pigeon outside of the Savoy Hotel. They showed that clip at least twice in two different episodes. If we paid attention, it would have been more. Just this one little pigeon. (laughs) And I'm sure he's a local and he's been living at the Savoy. I don't know how he lost his other... (laughs) paw claw um but you know getting in a fight with other pigeons (laughs) about who knows what but as cute as that was we want to see the ring yeah we really (laughs) did but overall the camaraderie seemed to be strong among all of the employees like they had a really nice gala for their employee awards that were given out yeah and yeah they all just like a sense of humor and like the the french maitre d what's his name Thierry. Thierry? Mm-hmm. Thierry. 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 He was funny. He was cute. Yeah. He, he was trying, you know, you can tell he was trying to take the information he was getting from Gordon and pass it along and be like, okay, this needs to change. But don't forget that 
We appreciate you. Yeah. This could all be uh, a big show and they could all be horrible to their employees and all that stuff. And I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> but from what they, you know, they w- they didn't hide when they were disappointed. You know, when Michael was folding the clothes and Sean was like, what the fuck are you doing, man? <laughs> He's like, I don't know what I'm doing. I feel like Sean was constantly like, what the fuck are all of you doing? Yeah. Which, and I was reading, Sean has worked there since 1977, I think. He's been oh head God. butler there. Oh, my so God. So he knows what happens he with knows the, the murder? He knows the ins and outs, yeah. Ooh. Oh, he probably does know what happened. Yeah. Oh, wow. He probably knows a lot. Yeah. It's a great little show. And it says here the second season premiered the summer of 2023. Yeah, they they were able really? to start doing it again. And I haven't found the episodes, so I don't know if they've been released to American streamers, but... I'd I'm love to know. I'd out. love to know. Yeah. yeah. No, the, the the show's really cute and um it was funny. Yeah, I, I I'm not a reality TV watcher for the most part, but I would watch more of this. It was really yeah. cute. And um Yeah, it was it was entertaining. I'm not either. I, I don't care, but this was I think it's just the personalities and like yeah. them being British and that helps a lot. And they're just like regular <laughs> people and not celebrities and they just uh, they also had no filter. Yeah. Which was nice. It was great. They weren't trying to be like politically correct. Yeah. Oh, Sean is also in the documentary from when the Savoy reopened in 2010. So you can oh, see him in sense. both the documentary and the reality show. Yeah. What was really interesting in the documentary is that uh, after it's the hotel has been reopened for a couple of weeks, Al-Walid actually comes to stay at the hotel with his huge entourage and entourage and check everything out and see how it's running. And it's really interesting to see all, all of the hoops that they jump through to make sure that his visit is as smooth as possible. Yeah, which makes sense. He yeah. owns the hotel. Well, yeah, but <laughs> also like, because he also has like a very particular lifestyle. Mm-hmm. He doesn't change his circadian clock. So whatever time it is in Saudi Arabia, that's what time it is for him anywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. So he's eating dinner at three o'clock in the morning. He doesn't eat any sugar or caffeine. So they're they're trying to, you know, f- they're making him special dishes that aren't for anybody else. And just he had a huge entourage. So just taking care of everybody that he brought with yeah. him. It that was been crazy. it was really interesting. Yeah. We recommend. Also, if uh, there's another reality show that premiered in 2014, I believe, and I've mentioned it with Richard E. Grant, uh, The Secret of Hotels. And I think he talks about the Savoy Hotel. He goes in. That was like the show that really got I was like, I I love this man and I love the show and I want to do everything he does. But um, there's some good stuff about it. It's such an old yeah. place. It's amazing. What's the name? James Corden. James Corden does a bit on his show where he goes and pretends to be uh, an employee at the Savoy and is just basically doing funny stuff and messing with the guests. And that was a really cute <laughs> little bit that you can see oh, on YouTube as that. well. Yeah. But so today the Savoy's open, I'm sure, fully. Because it's been a while. Yeah, they reopened in September of 2020, and then they've fully reopened now. Yeah, and I and I am curious to know if any of the old employees are still working there. I would think so because it's so hard to find people that care that much and that yeah. know the place and know how to treat the the guests. And um, 
I would want all of them back. But logic doesn't yeah. apply to a lot of things in this world, so who knows? <laughs> Throughout the book, The Secret Life of the Savoy, it that really seems to be a theme, the employee loyalty. Mm-hmm. Like, people worked there for a long time. And, I mean, Sean definitely still works there as the butler because he's going to be in this new season of the reality show. So if there are any others like him that have worked there for 30-plus years, I'm sure that that they're still going strong. Oh, okay. So they got him back. Yeah. That's good. And as of 2023, the Savoy has been awarded uh, the Historic Hotel's Worldwide Best Social Media of a, of a Historic Hotel. I yes. didn't know that. And actually, they just won that this, like, a couple days ago. Well, congratulations yeah. to the Savoy. Um, we f- do follow them, but to be honest, I haven't paid that much attention to whether they're the best at social media for a historic <laughs> hotel. Uh, this award is given to a hotel that actively engages consumers by sharing the best of their history through social media, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram with interesting historical facts and stories. I think that's great. Yeah. Uh, and you can follow them on Instagram at the Savoy London and probably at the Savoy London with all their handles probably so um but yeah i i didn't know that they really get into it but i will mention that on their website they they do have a lot of sections of their history whether it's royalty celebrity innovation uh, yeah everything the cats um where's the pigeon they got the cat they need the pigeon (laughs) uh (laughs) i wonder if he's still there but yeah they it's it's a hopefully one day we we will get to visit and stay there And there you have it, a captivating glimpse into the Savoy Hotel, this timeless symbol of luxury, history, and impeccable service. We hope you enjoyed this episode and gained a new appreciation for the allure of this London landmark. Thanks for listening to Hotel History. You can follow us on most social media platforms, Patreon, and Substack by searching for Hotel History or Hotel History Podcast. If you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify so we can reach more listeners. 